0: Going back to the beginning. In Isaiah 46, verse 8, Isaiah 46, verse 8, he <coughs> says, Remember this and fix it in your mind. Remember this and fix it in your mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. <laughs> now, I'm not talking to. A group of rebels. Or at least, I hope I'm not talking to a group of rebels this morning. Only you know what you, where you are in your walk with God. But I want you I want to make known some things to you, or make make some things known to you, I should say. Remember this. Fix it in your mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. Remember that I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no other like me. I make known the end. From the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come? I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east, I'll summon a bird of prey from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purposes. What I've said, I will bring about and what I've planned, I will do. As we start this year, I want to set clear into our minds and into our hearts the one We will continue to proclaim this year. The one we've come to know and the one we love and the one that you and I must keep serving and keep continuously giving our lives to. That's Jesus. And I want to fix him into your hearts and minds and into your conscience, because he is the only one. Apart from him, there is no other God. This year we'll have challenges this year, just like last year. We'll have challenges and there'll be play, there'll be things trying to replace Jesus Christ in your life as the number one. Just as there was last year, there will be this year. Just as it was the year before that and the year before that. The challenge to keep Christ as the number one in our lives is an ongoing challenge for all of us. It's a real challenge. And in this passage of scripture, God reminds those who are listening to him, those who are rebelling against him, to fix it into their minds. Fix something into the minds, <clears throat> excuse me, and take it to heart. He said that I'm God and there is no other. So whichever route you look for to replace what you look or what you had and you you then go to replace God in whatever area of your life, it comes to nothing. There is no other God. No, money's not a God, though people treat it as a God. Wealth is not a God, though they treat it as a God. These, There is no other God except me. I know your needs before you even asked. So whatever route you set off on looking for something to substitute me, I've seen the end of that path and there is no other God except me. So we say, look, I can save you a lot of heartache. I can save you a lot of wandering, a lot of shifting. If I announce it to you right now that what you're looking for, you will not find because I am you, the Lord, your God. And I want to set myself clearly in the midst of the dream center this year. I want to set myself Whatever your needs are this year, he is the Lord, our God. Whatever your need is this year, whether it's health, finance, whether it's your children, whether it's a child you're seeking, whatever your need is, the Lord, your God is your God. And there is no other. Fix it in your mind. Fix it in your mind. So we must not try to reduce him and we must not try to replace him. Why? Because all the other paths, he's already he's already been down all the other paths. And he says, there's nothing down that path for you. This is the way. Walk in it. And I want to talk to us today. About the concept of the beginning. The beginning. God announces himself as the Alpha and the Omega. God is the beginning and he is the end. There is a day called beginning and there is a day called end. And in John chapter one, verse one. John chapter one, verse one, we're going to look at some scriptures this morning. In the beginning was the word in the beginning. So there is a beginning, not for God, because God's always existed. But for us, for our time. God makes it known to us that there was a beginning, that when God came into the earth, that's that's a beginning. It always existed before that. But in our time, in our time frame, there was a beginning for us. In the moment that he was the beginning, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So I want to inspire and challenge you today to remain With that word that was what was given to you at the beginning. There is a word that's been given to you at the beginning. Promise, maybe a prophecy, maybe someone prayed a prophetic prayer over you. The word that's come to you as as you've come to uh, understand this word is life to you. That's that's the word that God wants you to stick with, because that was the word that came to you at the beginning. And has only began to unfold as you walk with God. You must never lose your beginning. Never, ever lose the place called beginning. It's significant. God puts it down as a marker for us. The beginning is so, so important for us. And here we are finding in 2021, it's a year of beginning. It's a new year. In many ways, it's a new year, but it's just a continuous year. It's a continuous day of your life. But we need dates to help us mark things, to start, to to create new beginnings. Dates are very, very important for us. Seasons are important for us. Years are important for us. But in our life, it's just one. It's just another day. But we need moments where we can put stones down and say, at that point, at this point, at that point, we need a beginning because the beginning is where we venture out from. And he says, um. Excuse me. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The word of God. I want to say this to you that to remain with that word that came to you at the beginning, the initial beginning, the word of God and the word of God are the same. He is the beginning. God is the beginning of your life. Your life begun the moment Jesus Christ came into your life, your spiritual life, that is. You might say, well, I was having fun. Yes, but it was called the road to hell, leading to hell. But there was a new beginning that was given to you the moment Christ came to you. You know the word? This beginning has never left you. But very often you and I have left the beginning. We wander from the beginning, but the beginning never left us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's the beginning. He is the beginning and he is the end. So he's never left us and he promises never to leave us or abandon us. But you and I, Lou, uh, walk away from our beginning. Some of you may have drifted and shifted last year in the lockdown from your initial place. You may find that your, your faith was weaker at the end of 2020 than it was at the beginning of 2020. And it's so easy in this moment of time that we find ourselves in with the world changing the way it is on a constant day. One minute we're on unlock, next minute we're on lockdown and then we're in tier three. Then we're all in tears. And then, you know, irrespective, you know, you may find this is too much of a change. And you find you may find yourself wandering from the inside lane to the outside lane and you don't know where you're coming or going. And you find that has that as you've caused your faith to drift, but never lose the beginning. He's always there. If you get lost, go back to the beginning. The beginning's there. He's never shifted from the beginning. So we see that in this scripture that the word was the beginning. Jesus is the beginning. And the word was with God. That means the beginning has an inseparable partnership. The beginning has an inseparable partnership. The word was the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. There's partnership. Now you're in that. You're in that beginning. You're in Christ. You, me, Jesus and the father are all together. Then it says the word was with God. Now is the divine begotten son. It's not just two people getting together. This is divine. And you can trust this beginning. You can trust this beginning. Because he said, "I won't lead you astray, so many people are looking are going to start a new beginning this year. You know how many gym memberships are going to be promised, how many new year's resolutions, and you know already you can see on eBay now there are treadmills up for sale, bikes up for sale, uh, whatever the, the fitness regime has already been abandoned. Early into January. They will say if you want to buy a bike or you want to buy any sportswear, buy it in January because people in good faith start make a resolution and before the end of January they quit. So why? Because people abandon the beginning. But God never abandons the beginning. He is the beginning fixed. He is the end fixed. There is two points in God that you can take to the bank, that's the beginning. And the end. So when God created the heavens and the earth, he created a supernatural cosmological wonder. And in that supernatural cosmological, I don't know the words for it, galaxy that he created, there was a beginning. God spoke and everything came, started to unfold right from his voice. The word that speaks from God's mouth is the beginning. Every time God keeps speaking, he keeps speaking from a point of beginnings. Because he's fixed at that place. He doesn't shift. He doesn't wane. He doesn't wander. So God can speak from a point of position, uh, a position of beginning. Why? Watch this. Because though he speaks from beginning, he is speaking to the end. Because everything is going to come. To a final conclusion. So he doesn't just speak from a beginning. He speaks from one point to another point. Why? Because he's going to bring everything to an end. But you and me are going to be in Christ forever. We'll just continue. We start from a point of beginning and we go into eternity, but everything physical around us has an end. Your life will have an end physically, but spiritually you'll continue. So God speaks from the beginning. God is not just a starter, is a finisher. God is, a, is not just a starter, is a finisher. <clears throat> see, when we look at the word beginning, it's not. I want you to see it, that it's not just something we initially start. Um, it's not just the start, but rather the beginning must be seen as something that that has a distance to it, that has effort involved, that has time attached to it that has principles attached to it something just doesn't begin it has all these other dimensions added to it and it's something that when we start something i need to see it's doable i need to see it's realistic i need to see it's achievable it's adventurous it's purposeful god just doesn't start something and then just leave it to just drift god starts something with purpose now, when those bells chimed and people started to make their New Year's resolutions, at that moment in time, after a couple of bottles of beer or wine, whiskey, whatever they were drinking, and even if they weren't drinking, they, was, they were uh, made with good intentions. But unfortunately, there's no momentum. It no longer becomes, it seems doable, achievable, realistic. People have dropped it. But when God starts something, God starts something knowing that he has the ability to bring it to fulfillment. You and I must see that with this beginning that God has given us, we must, we have started a journey with God that's realistic, that's doable, that's achievable, that's adventurous, that's purposeful. You must stick with this beginning. Always stick with this beginning. God starts... (coughs) God just to say the dictionary uses many words to describe a beginning, such as a new dawn, birth, inception, conception, genesis, emergence, start, starting point from the outset. There's so many words that our dictionary uses to describe a beginning. Now, I don't know what you're looking for this year, but you may be looking for a dawn i'm not talking about a woman called dawn i'm talking about a new dawn you may be looking for birth physically spiritually depending who you are you may be looking for inception conception a new idea that's going to take you and propel your life towards the finishing point you may look for a genesis in your life you may look for a starting point all those things are found in jesus christ because he is the beginning You cannot begin something outside of Jesus Christ, because if you do, it will lead you in the wrong direction. So our beginnings must always start in Christ. And I feel today that I want to talk about this beginning. I want to get the beginning clear in your mind, because our our uh, lives, our companies, our desires will be setting goals this year for you. And it will pull you in different directions. But you must never lose and never leave your beginning. In Christ. Why? Because Christ's beginning is leading you to a place called fulfillment. And if you abandon that beginning, you don't end up in a place called fulfillment. You in a place called self. You become in, in a place called lost. You be, you end up in a place called disillusioned, frustrated, unfulfilled. So many places that you, you and I can end up in. You know, Winston Churchill, as many of you know, a hero of mine, <clears throat> He once said that this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. Perhaps it's the end of the beginning. And when he was talking about that, he was talking about um, Rommel's forces leaving uh, Egypt. And but, you know, the phrase actually means that out of disaster or poor circumstance and death, such new meanings can come out of those things. It's amazing that when God gives us a trial, or a tribulation, or a circumstance, or an event in our life, God's using these things to bring new meanings out of them, so that we can grow and mature, and our Christian character can further develop. And sometimes when we go through these things, we feel like there's a new beginning to our faith. We feel our our, our faith has been refreshed. I've got a new beginning in this particular area with God. And new beginnings is something that comes over our life. But they come over our life through trials and tribulations and circumstance. But it's still connected to the original beginning. You just had an emotional surge or a spiritual emotional surge that just reminded you that something new, a new dawn just swept over your life. But it's because you're in the race that these things come. You're already in the race. If you're not in the race, these things don't matter to your life. But for those who are running a race and want to continue running the race, the beginning, everyone knows the beginning is important, but the end of the race is far more important. I want to finish strong, but I also want a good beginning. It's important from the beginning to learn to pace yourself. It is. It's important. Now, they all say in showbiz, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. But a good beginning can definitely propel you to a strong finish. Neither does a poor beginning hinder you from a good finish. But a good beginning is something God gives us all. Life may give you a bad beginning, but God always gives us a good beginning. So I want you to think this year In your beginning, I want you to think with the end in mind. It's not. So it's a wonderful thing that God's given us a beginning. But let's think a beginning must lead us somewhere. It must lead us somewhere. So we need to begin with the end in mind. Think of this. The Bible says there is a day called the Great Consummation. That is a time where everything prophesied, everything spoken, all reaches a place called fulfillment. Every prophecy from Genesis to Revelation, everything that has been spoken fully takes place and then eternity takes over for the, for the saints in Christ. So God starts from Genesis to Revelation. He starts with the beginning, but he starts from the beginning with the ending mind. He is bringing an end to everything that's been spoken. Yes, he's bringing an end to everything that has been spoken. He's bringing it to a point called fulfillment and finished. So God begins with the end in mind. God wants you to begin your race with the end in mind. So he tells us running such a way to get the prize. There's an attitude involved in the beginning, from the beginning to the end involves an attitude. You must run with the end in mind. Who starts a race and doesn't want to finish it? What's the point of starting a race if you're not going to finish? True. What's the point? So each race has a finishing line and you must, though you may get to the beginning, you must clearly keep focused on the finishing line. Some of you are, uh, some are older than others. We'll, call it, we'll say that. Some, If you take the natural age, you might think, well, I'm nearer to the finishing line maybe than someone who's only in the 20s. Not necessarily so. Life doesn't always work like that. We can all disappear in a twinkle of an eye. Life is so, so, um, it's like a vapor, the Bible says. So we must not think like that. We must think we're beginning and end. We mustn't look at our age to determine, well, she's closer to the end than I am. We don't know that. Some people live 60 70 years and never live a day in the life. Some people live five minutes and fulfill everything that was in the life. So we must not look at natural years to determine our finish, but we must think in terms of what God has spoken, what God has put in our hearts. We must begin with this and run towards seeing it fulfilled in our lives. Think about a relationship. Every relationship has a beginning. But sadly, Many relationships have an end. Why? Because things happen in the middle and it becomes to destroy them and destruct them and derail them. But, you know, a wedding vow. A wedding vow is meant to bring you to the end together. A relationship, when you start make the vow, that's the beginning of the relationship and the covenant's meant to bring you to the end. Now, one may pass away in the midst of that, but a covenant is meant to be an unbreakable bond that's there for you to to walk your journey, to get together, to fulfill the Lord's will for your life to the end. God gives you a partner so you can run the race and finish the race stronger together. That's the whole idea of, of a marriage. It's not just two people who love each other. That's what the world says. But the Bible says two people coming together to add strength, to walk the race, to finish the race, to add strength to one another, to finish the race. You begin with the beginning. And the end in mind. But so many people today. When they get married. They've signed a prenuptial. They've already got their end in mind. Before they've even got the beginning. That's the negative way of looking at that. But God wants. God gives us relationships in our life. To get us to the end. In strength and in power. So you've got to look at your partner and say. Yep. You're my beginning and my end. You have the potential. To be the end. Far sooner than God ever intended. if we don't get it together, our end can definitely come sooner than you know than was ever purposed for our lives. So we must walk together. every song has a beginning. Now only when I sing a song does it never have an end? <coughs> only when I sing a song does a song never have an end. The words run out <laughs> quicker. Than the tune in my head, but the song never ends, but the so- but the words leave me somehow they leave me from the beginning or somewhere in the middle. the words leave me, but every song has an end. What would be the point of having a song without an end? Well, every book has a beginning now the sad thing about the a book is this: how many books never have an ending now It's not that the book doesn't have an end it does look at the back page but when most people start reading a book they quit halfway through they might get to first chapter and say you know what Ah, this book's getting hard work so then they might skin skin deep and they might read a few more little bits here and then they abandon the book halfway through reading the book is so much like the christian life so many people abandon it when they don't when they end up in a chapter that doesn't excite them Or a chapter that needs a little bit more attention. I'm reading a book right now. uh, And it's it's hard going. It's hard going. But I knew it when I bought it. And I thought this is a book above my pay grade. And I can already see my grey cells turning all different colours. But you know what? I persevere with it every night. I try and read at least five or six pages every night before I go to bed. Because I've determined this year I'm going to set my sights a little bit higher. I'm going to read material that doesn't. That's not easy going. That's not comfortable. But that's educational. And I've de- I've decided to push my boundaries a little bit. Now, Andy gave me a book uh, two years ago. And I'm not sure if Andy bought me a book because he couldn't reach the top shelf. It was about that thick. And it was on the EU. Do you remember it, Andy? On the EU. And I got to I mean, I did really well. I'm, I really did well. I got through four chapters of this book and I'm thinking, I'm going to I'm going to use this book and I'm going to use it to stand on the top shelf. That's its only use to me right now is that the thickness of the pages, because the content is doing my head in. Now, I abandoned it. I abandoned it. But what did I get out of that book? Well, I got the first couple of pages out of it made sense to me. The rest of the book was just hard going. But guess what? I stuck with it for four chapters. Now, I don't want to keep buying books and abandon them. What's the point of that? We must read something to the end. To have a full perspective. And God says, don't abandon me halfway through and think you've got a full perspective of me. You started this thing. You must finish it. You are obligated in Christ to finish the race. So you're in a chapter right now. That's not easy going. We'll suck it up. And turn, get to the next chapter and the next chapter will be hopefully it will be better than the first chapter. <clears throat> Unless that is. You've not learned the lessons from the chapter. Very often I go back to a chapter and refresh myself. Why? Because the more I go back, guess what I'm doing? I am taking a step closer back to the beginning to find out what I've missed and relearn what I've missed. Because the beginning is a fixed point. I never get lost if I go back to the beginning. Christ is our foundation stone. And it's amazing sometimes that as we start walking with God. We lose sight of the beginning, never lose sight of the beginning and never become too proud to go back to the beginning. Because the beginning is an anchoring point. In fact, the Bible says this in, De- in Deuteronomy 31:24. It says, after Moses finished writing in a book the words of this law from beginning to the end. He gave this command to the Levites who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Moses started writing from the beginning to the end. It was important that Moses, what he started to write, had a completion so that the next phase could then come be given to the uh, to the uh, <clears throat> excuse me the levites for the ark so we must be consciously conscious of what god starts in us must be brought to the point called finish because god is is fixed on a beginning leading to a point called the end in mind so i want to say something now that i don't want it to confuse you so There is a beginning to finding God, and there is a beginning in God. There is a beginning to finding God, and there is a beginning in God. Okay, I can see you're all scratching your heads on that one. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11 says this He has made everything beautiful in its time. So every time, time, is important for our God called the beginning. He uses time. It's important to him because time is something God gives to you in your beginning. Without time, there's no beginning. We, we, we cannot fix. We cannot. Um, what's the word? I don't know. We can't uh, start at the beginning because time is important for us. So he's made everything beautiful in his time He's also set eternity in the hearts of men. Hmm. Yet they cannot fathom out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So God has put something in the hearts of men. And yet they cannot understand what God has put in their hearts from the beginning to then. So man doesn't understand the beginning and the end of God. Man doesn't understand that. So there is something that has to happen by the Holy Spirit that opens your eyes and your and the, uh, your, the eyes and your heart of your understanding that makes you conscious that there is a new beginning. Without God opening your eyes, you don't know that day called new beginning. You were born on this day. You'll die on that day. That's your only reference point of a beginning. But in God, there is a day called new beginning. There is a day. So when we don't know God, God comes to us. You're lost. Remember? God comes to you and redeems you and he reveals to you Jesus Christ. When God came to you, that was a new day. That's one beginning. But now in God, you must discover this beginning. So the day when Jesus comes to you, this is called introduction. God makes himself known to you, but you yet don't know God. He made himself known to you, but now you need to get to know him. And in that day, you decide to get to know him. That's the beginning. Now, because you've consciously decided, I want to know him and know more about him. So the moment you apply your mind and your understanding to knowing God, that is a day consciously where you decided to take the first step towards knowing God and loving God. The other day he came to you. But now you must begin to consciously walk towards him and work towards him, because this is now at that point you put down your nets, you pick up your cross and now you begin to walk towards him. And now you run your race with the end in mind. Now you're consciously conscious of a beginning. So. Psalm 111, verse 10. Psalm 111, verse 10. When you decide to consciously walk with God, there's one thing God wants you to understand right from the beginning. And here it is. So you think, what do I need to know about God? Is the first thing God wants you to know about him. When you start walking, consciously walking, and it is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding to him, belonging to eternal praise. Psalm 110, So, sorry, sorry, Psalm 111, verse 10. Psalm 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So the beginning of your journey of wisdom in God is to discover the fear of the Lord. In other words, this loving, powerful God who revealed himself to me is a God that that is is a being that God wants you to fear reverently, holy, righteously. And if you can understand that right from the beginning, how ordered do your steps become? Think of it. If you have no fear of God, you think you're free to wander and do what you want and God will just keep forgiving you. But if you have a fear of God, your steps now of leading to the end are all of a sudden you think about them. You want God. You're more consciously conscious that I fear God. And I do not want to mess up. You know, I was only thinking about this the other day. What is my fear of God level like? I know I have. I know I consciously do have a fear of God in my life. And that puts me on a narrow path for me because I fear God. I don't fear God like a God who's got a big stick in the sky and he's just going to hit me every time I do something wrong. That's not the fear of God. The fear of God is the honor and the love for God that I do not want. I know this God is so majestic and so powerful as a father. I do not want to walk out of his will because I fear that what it will do to my life. So I have this fear of God in my life that that it consciously I'm alive to it. I'm awake to it. I'd like to say in every area of my life. But that's not true. But in certain areas of my life, I have a righteous fear of God. And that keeps me on the path. And I know that's the beginning of wisdom. I'm not a fool if I've got the fear of the Lord in my mind. You know, if you want to compare my wisdom with other people, go ahead. I, I, I probably rank right at the bottom. But you know what? I'm smart. Why? Because I have a fear of God in my life. That puts me that puts me higher up. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So I consider myself to have wisdom. Why? Because I fear God. That is the starting point. I fear God. So if I fear God, then my steps then are very, very different than someone who does not fear God. You are not free to do what you want. You're not free to go where you want. You're not free to do what you please. Why? You've been bought with the price. You have a beginning. You were sanctioned and you were commissioned with a beginning. I said you were sanctioned and you have been commissioned with a beginning. You didn't you when you walk into heaven, you're not getting in through the back door. You're walking in because you've been sanctioned and commissioned from heaven. You have an official certificate, says you begun this race. Your faith has been logged in the Lamb's book of life. Your beginning is recorded. You are now obligated in Christ to stick with that beginning and finish strong. Those who don't know Christ, those who abandon the race, their names can be blotted. Or they may never never have even got in the Lamb's book of life. So this beginning is recorded. It's so, so important. In 2 2 Thessalonians 2.13, it says this. 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers. Loved by the Lord. Because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. And through belief in the truth, God chose for you a beginning. Can you just think about that for a minute? God chose for you a beginning. God chose that the spirit of God would reveal the truth to you because God wanted you to have a beginning. And it says God uh, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved. Through the sanctifying work of the spirit. Now, that sanctifying work is ongoing to the end. So that's the that's the work that God does in you from the beginning to the end. So when you get to your end, you are complete. You look like him. God uses the, that, that point from beginning to the end to get to do his work in you. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, so that when you get to the end, you look like Him and you fulfill what He's put in your heart to do. Yes, God will use those two points as a measure to weigh what did you do with the Lord Jesus Christ? The beginning is so important because it's been recorded. So it's not like a school report. Tony could have done better. You know, Richard could have done better. Andy could have done better if they've only just paid more attention. If they don't pay attention in class. No, no. I think that the school report is going to be a lot more consequential than just Tony could do better. You know why? Because my school report, as much as the teacher may have said it, you know, it was condemning, there was life after school. But when you get to the end in God, that is the end. There is no more days for you to say, hang on, give me 10 more years and I'll go and produce some gold. No, no. What you did with your life now, now gets measured. So it's important that we we value the beginning and we keep working with the beginning, knowing that we are coming to an end. So. This beginning, let me just give you some some points about the beginning. Never lose. Never lose humility. Never lose your humility. In other words, humble beginnings. Never lose sight of a humble beginning. When I came to Christ and you came to Christ, I came as a sinner. You may have come rich. You may have come famous. You may have come to Christ already being famous. You may have come to Christ already well to do, successful, successful. But you came still as a sinner. You was a sinner. You was a wretched sinner. That's what the Bible calls us. We was a wretched sinner without hope. We were going to hell. And Christ stepped in, chose us to be saved, revealed his love to us so that we are now become sons of the living God. These are humble beginnings. Never lose sight of humility. In your beginning, you must remain humble. James 4 tells us, James 4, 6 tells us. I see so many Christians, the moment that God gives them his grace, the moment God gives them some anointing, the moment God gives them some kind of notoriety, how they think their value has just risen. And now they are something that they're not. Never lose sight of what Christ has done in your life. You was a wretched sinner. Now, you're not a wretched sinner now. And I'm not saying think of yourself as being a sinner because you're not a sinner. What I'm saying is, remember, God chose the lowly things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the uneducated people. God God chose the materials and you was the material. The world wasn't looking for you. God looked for you. And God so never abandon the humble days of cold beginning. And it says this. But God gives us grace. But God gives us more grace. Why does God give us more grace? Because you don't have what it takes in the natural to do what God's asking you to do in the spirit. So God has to supply to you something from the spirit realm that you don't have in the natural. So you're not that clever. This is what scripture says. God opposes the proud. Just stop there. We don't have to read any more. God opposes the proud even if you're the son or a daughter of the living god god hates pride pride but god gives grace to the humble if you're under if you're asking god i need more grace you know the answer to more grace is more humility more humility you can't have more grace and remain proud it doesn't work submit yourselves now Submission is a reflection of humility. People won't submit themselves because they're too proud. Submit yourself to God. Watch this. Resist the devil. The devil has no hold on you when you've got humility and submission running in your life. The key to spiritual warfare is not bam, 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 bang. It's your humility and your submission rate to the Lord and to one another. The devil has less hold on you when you, the more submitted and the more humble you become. It's amazing how many people are trying to get behind a pulpit and preach like they've got the fire of God, but there's no humility in them whatsoever. Grace does not come to proud people. Then he says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands. Why do I need to wash my hands? I need to wash my hands of my pride. I need to wash my hands of my arrogant attitude. I need to wash my hands of a wrong attitude. You sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's why he wants to save his life. He wants to live his life, must lose it. If you lose your life for God, you will, he will give you a life in return. So your humility level is being challenged right now as I speak. Every one of us has a humility level and a pride level in our hearts. Well, I can't do that. I can't see myself doing that. I'm never going to do that. There's a pride right there. So grace can't come to you. Spiritual warfare is ineffective. Right there because of your attitude. Think about this. Right at the beginning your beginning is, is is already under attack because of your attitude this is how serious this is humility never lose humility this year god is going to to uh, refine us more and more and your humility is going to be exposed or your lack of it or your vastness of it is going to be exposed humility Say to yourself, my humility. Come on, say to yourself, my humility is under the God's radar. My humility. Look in the mirror and say, girl, boy, you better become ready to be challenged in the area of humility. If I want more grace in my life, if I want more, if I want to have victory in spiritual warfare, then my humility and submission level is under God's radar. Who will you say sorry to? Who will you ask forgiveness you know, these are the things that's going to surprise us when God begins to speak. Pride goes before the fall. Whenever you see a fall, don't look at the effect. Look at the root. Pride. We look at the root. We look at the we're the effect and we say, oh, poor, 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 Jimmy, poor, Davy, whatever his name is, Sally. But look at the root. The root says that person's full of pride. Lord, humble them. Humble them. God hates pride. God hates pride. Write that in your Bibles. God hates pride. Therefore, my pride must go. So many Christians are disqualified because of pride. I know you're on mute, but I'm going to let that silence just sink in. So many Christians disqualify themselves because of their pride. And they're unconscious of their pride. And that is a dangerous place to be when you're unconscious of something that is destroying your life. So the first point there is we must never lose sight of our humble beginnings. We must remain humble from the beginning to the end to the end. When your, when your end threatens to be far worse than your beginning, you are in serious trouble. When your end threatens to be far worse than your beginning, you are in serious trouble. Think of the world right now. The end of the world is in trouble. The beginning of the world or the day you were born was a joyous occasion for many people. But if you don't know Christ, the end is quite dreadful. That's why scripture tells us that, you know, hell is not a place you and I want to go to. So our end is a lot more severe than our beginning. Not for us who know Christ, but for those who don't. And that's why our role as a church has got to to win as many people as we possibly can for Christ, because the end is far worse than the beginning In 2 Peter, chapter 220. Now, I've just spoke to you about the world. And now let me just flip this over and talk about your faith. Watch this. Peter talks to it. He's talking to Christians now 2 Peter chapter two, verse 20. Now he's talking about those who don't finish the race. Those who abandon the beginning. Listen to what he says about those who abandon the beginning. So when I say if your end is far worse than your beginning, read it in this context 2 Peter, chapter two, verse 20. If they have escaped the corruption of this world, he's talking about those who gave the life by knowing our Lord Jesus Christ, our our Saviour, and are again entangled in it. So he's talking about the world. Let me say that if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome. They are worse off at the end than they were in the beginning. Wow. If they escape, that's you and I, the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and overcome. In other words, the very thing you've been set free from you now because you didn't, Uh, walk and work from the beginning you've now gone back to the very thing that's that god set you free from and become entangled in it they are far worse off at the end than they were at the beginning that is a fright frightening thing to even contemplate how we get there it would have been better it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have it known and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. A sow that is washed goes back to a wallowing in the mud. That is a very, very consequential place to end up in when your end it comes far worse than your beginning. You're in trouble. And I I implore you in Jesus Christ today, in God, not to let your end become far worse than your beginning. My challenge to you today, or not my challenge, the spirit of God challenges today to keep a watchful eye on your faith. To make sure that, that you do not become entangled in this world. The concerns, the worries, the issues, the deceit of this world and that you do not become entangled it to the point where you abandon shipwreck your faith so that you abandon your beginning. And ultimately that then turns your life to a point where your end now becomes far worse than your beginning. Jesus came to you at the beginning so that you would have a glorious end, not that you would have a disastrous end. God came to you so that you could have a glorious end. Not a disastrous end. God didn't come in the world to condemn the world. But that the world may have life. So the scripture tells us in John 3. And I have come that you may have life. God's come so that you don't abandon. You don't shipwreck. So that your end is glorious. So that you have eternity. So that we walk into Zion. We arrive at a place where a better word is spoken. This is God's will for us. Don't abandon the beginning. John 1 John chapter 224 we're coming into end now the wheels are down. 1 John chapter 224 see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does you also will remain in the son and in the father and this is what he promised us even eternal life. See that see in other words pay attention give conscious effort that what you heard from the Beginning remains in you, and if it does, if conditional, you, if it does remain, you also remain in the Son and in the Father, and this is what He promised us, even eternal life. See, that's the life He pro- that's the life He promised us. But he who endures to the end is saved, not he who quits halfway through. Last point, as the wheels are down. From right from the outset of the beginning to the very end, right from the outset of the beginning, right to the very end. You must have continuity. There must be continuity. Right from the outset of the beginning, right to the very end, you must have continuity. You must develop Continue, keep moving, keep walking, keep believing, keep trusting, keep serving, keep humble. It must all be going to the point called place called finish. Scripture, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 8, 5. And they did not do as we expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then to us, keeping with God's will. So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Now, the first thing you need to give is yourself. The first offering you can ever make to Jesus Christ is yourself. The first offering God wants is you, your heart, your mind. You serve God, not with your money. You serve God with your heart and your mind. So when you make the first sacrifice to God, it's you. Humble yourself. Submit yourself. That's the first sacrifice. You sacrifice the flesh, the will. So as you put that down. And you begin to serve God. It says here about these people in this scripture that they were so desirous to go and bring an offering. And it says. Um, they first of all. They gave themselves first to the Lord. There's there's the sacrifice right there. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Your beginning. You're meant to lay down your life at the beginning. Pick up your cross, deny yourself and start moving. Now, we know that's a journey. But we do that from the beginning. Only in the church today do we allow people to stay the same and wonder why we can't get them to change later on. It's too late. The beginning has to be cleaned up. We have to get the beginning of this race so clear. This letting people sit in church for two or three years, never serving, never working, never getting involved in the harvest field. It's an abomination to God's work. Only in the West do we allow Christians to stay the same and just turn up week in and week out and, and think we've got a church. This is not what the church is like in the New Testament Everybody was moving. Everybody was working. Everybody was involved to some degree. They were not all involved to the degree that the apostles were, but they were all conscious. And they were all serving. They were doing what they need needs to be done. They were not sat at home doing nothing. And they gave themselves first to the Lord, then to us. And we wonder as pastors why people won't submit themselves to the ministry. It's because they won't give themselves to the Lord. The beginning's all wrong. You've still got self at the beginning. Now, to some degree, there will be self at the beginning. But if self doesn't move, all you've got left is self. You've got no Christian war. You've just got self. And here it says they gave themselves to the Lord first and then to us, keeping with God's will. There it is. They kept the code. So we urge Titus, since he had early made the beginning, to bring also to completion. In other words, he's now got an attitude from the beginning that he is now moving to make an, an, uh, this act of grace, this gift. He initially has this idea, I want to do it, and he's compelled to do it. So he's now fixed on that course to go and make this offering. And here he is. He says, since Titus he had made earlier... From, made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. In other words, I'm going, I'm eager to go and bless these people and I'll take your offering and I'll do whatever it takes to go make sure they receive it. He was involved. He was involved. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge. Watch this. Just as you excel the moving. In everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge and in complete earnestness these are men who are still moving working from the beginning and in your love for us so they've got a concern for others see that you excel in this grace of giving the first gift you need to give in this in this particular case it was an offering but i'm talking to you about giving yourself no offerings will come out of you if you can't give yourself first if I if me and my house are going to serve the Lord, we must give ourselves to the Lord. We're not serving the Lord because we go to church. We give we serve the Lord when our hearts yield to his will. That's when me and my house serve the Lord is when me and my house yield our will to the will of God. That's serving God. It's not coming to church on a Sunday, raising our hand, sitting quiet. It's when we yield to the word in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in our love for others. So, you know, the news changes every day. The date changes every day. Have you noticed that? The date changes every day. Now, I don't know about you in this Christmas period or the Christmas period that's left us. I have no idea, no recollection of what the date is. As soon as I go into holiday mode. I have no idea of what day I'm in. I don't even know what day it is. I cannot. Uh, I forgot how many times I asked Carol, "What day is it today?" They just all seem to merge. They just seem to be days. And I'm sure in lockdown, people have thought like this. Those who are locked, truly locked down, the days don't have any significance anymore. You've got to, every day must have a significance because every day there's something to be done. You've got 24 hours. Time is something. It's a currency. Remember we looked at that? Time is a currency that we must spend. Every hour is worth a pound and you get 24 of them. So spend your money wisely. So every day changes. Every date changes. The weather changes. Christians. Ah, it's a different thing altogether. Christians, they're the worst people for remaining the same. Christians never seem to change. Christians repent enough to be saved, but not enough to change or to keep continuous in transition. Christians change their belief. They change their doctrine, but very seldom do they change their ways. This is a tragedy. When a person's thinking doesn't change, that person closes the pathway to potential change happening over their lives. When a person's thinking does not change, that person closes the pathway To the potential of change ever happening in their lives. When people refuse to change, God refuses to work in them. When people refuse to change, God refuses to work. Why? Because he only gives grace to the humble. He cannot work in the proud, in the pride area of your life unless you let him in. Christians become baptized in the Holy Ghost. They want to speak in tongues, but they don't want to live a spirit led life. If all you want is tongues, then God graciously give you tongues. But if you want the life of the spirit and from that life supply, receive all that you need to keep your beginnings strong, fresh. Then you have to stay in the life of the spirit so My last scripture to you is Revelation chapter 2, 21, verse 6. Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. He said to me. So now it's to me. It's a personal. (coughs) It is done. Revelation 21, verse 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Then watch this. To him, to her who is thirsty, I will give you, I will give to drink without cost. The spring of the water of life, he who overcomes will inherit all this and I will be his God and he will be my son. But to the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, immoral. Immoral, should say. Those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and the liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning. That's the end. That's the end for those people. But let's this. He said, I said, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega and the end to him who is thirsty. Now, I ask you today, are you still thirsty for this beginning? Is there still a desire to keep drinking with an intensity? Is there still a hunger in your heart to keep on feeding from this beginning? The one who gives us a beginning. He says, drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit this. Will inherit this. In other words, you'll have Mm -hmm. eternal access to this life. And I will be his God and he will be my son. And in fact, if you turn over to go to 22, 13, Revelation 22, 13, he says a very similar thing again. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first, the last, the beginning, the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. That's Zion. Outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, The immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, everyone who loves to practice falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. That's who he is in our midst this morning. So I want us, as we close now, we bow our heads. As for me and my house. Whatever your house is, whoever your household is, you may be, your household may be one, it may be two, it may be three, four, five, whatever it is. I want you now, if you bow your heads with me. And I want to bring you back to the beginning. And right now, you need to lay hold of one of the first qualities that your beginning needs is humility. To remember the humble beginnings. The one who saved you is the one who saved you and the one who is saving you. You are saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. It's a transition. You are saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. Your every one of those stages requires humility, your humility, my humility. This year, God Almighty wants to take you back to the beginning and refocus the beginning So that you can see through his eyes what he saw, what he sees when he gave you a beginning. He saw a life for you and he wants you to see through those eyes the beginning. And see it as a fixed point so that when when you see the beginning through his eyes, you understand the end. And therefore, your life has a far more meaningful purpose to it when you can see from those two points, the beginning and the end. All that's going to take place in the middle is taking place right inside of you because the work you began a good work from the beginning. will see it through. And that requires humility. That requires submission. That requires right now a response to what God is saying. The beginning. Don't let your end become far worse than your beginning. So right now, bow your heads, if you will. And I want you to rededicate every area of your life. And say, Father, I want to go back to the beginning. I don't want to go back in terms of become, you know, um, I've I've not I'm not. It's not that I'm not acknowledging my growth. It's not that it's in, in humility. Lord, take me back and show me the things I've missed. Give me a perspective that I didn't have. I haven't got. I've lost. Let me see point A and point B. Let me see through your eyes why you save me. What I have made my Christianity become, and what it was always meant to be, are very, very two different. Sorry, are two very different things. I'm sorry, Lord, for what I've made it. I'm sorry, Lord, for what I've allowed it to become. I humbly will bow down, not just now, all through this week until I get a fresh picture of what my beginning looks like through your eyes. I know I'm saved and I thank you, Lord, I'm saved. But somehow, Lord, I've lost sight of my beginning. I want to begin my life with the end in mind. Therefore, my beginning has far more significance because now I see the end in mind. I'm not just thinking of dying and going to be with Jesus I'm thinking of what's got to be fulfilled in my life. What work has not? What work in me, and what work beyond me is still unfinished. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made. It. I'm sorry, Lord, for just coming to church and just sitting there and listening and doing nothing with what's been given. I'm sorry for being idle. I'm sorry for being apathetic. I'm sorry for a wrong attitude. I'm sorry, Lord, that I don't even consider the person to the left or to the right of me in anything I ever think or do. Lord, it's so easy for me and my household to become self-consumed that we forget the household of God. I'm so used to sacrificing for my family to supply for them that, Lord, I've not even considered the needs of my family beyond me. Lord, the beginning has got a little bit skew with. So, Lord, I humbly acknowledge you, Father, this morning, that you are the one who gave me a beginning. You're the one who gives me an end. And, Father, I do not want to become entangled in the middle by the wrong things. But, oh God, I pray for grace this morning. The grace of God. And the humility of God. To befall upon me and my family. I pray for my husband. I pray for my wife. I pray for my sister. My brother. I pray for my children. My auntie. My uncle. My friends. Lord I pray that the same grace that you're giving to me today. To bring me back to the beginning. Is the same grace that will befall upon all those close to me. I pray oh God that this year will be a year. Of complete beginnings. A new beginning. A clear beginning. It will not be a confused beginning. But oh God I pray father right now. Forgive me for the attitude that I've adopted. For the fog that has appeared over my life. Consciously or unconsciously. Lord lifted off my life Lord this year. As for me and my household. We believe in this beginning. You've given it to us. And Lord, I choose willfully to drink from the river of life. Father, I ask it in the name of Jesus. Believing that if I believe by faith, I will receive. I'm just going to give you a minute just to conclude your prayer. Be sincere this morning with the Lord. Be sincere with him. It's so important that we start this beginning clear. Fix it in your minds, he says. Fix it in your mind. Apart from me, there is no other God. I am God and there is no other. I make known the end from the beginning. This is the proclamation of God. Been made known to us this morning. Dave, do you want to play that second video as we're as we're in worship here? And people are bowing. Jesus over every i speak the name of jesus over every home every family every life this year i pray that the blessings of god will be upon us and the beginnings of god become so clear for us this year throughout 2021 you know they said many years ago i remember growing up as a kid reading the science fiction books watching the movies and they said 2021 and it seems so far in the future 2021 and here we are we're here we made it and it looks not like they said (laughs) it looks different from where they depicted it but we're here we made it and now we're here let's make something of it amen let's make something of it i speak the name of jesus i speak it in the streets i speak it over every family In this room this morning the zoom so i say jesus lord bless you all may you have a wonderful day may the lord bless you and i speak the blessings of god over you as a house and over every household so amen